Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, I'm joined by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. And we're talking about the dangers of retiring early, just things to consider. And um, I, I, like I said, I do want to get to the end about how to pull this off, not to just make this, you know, all doom and gloom. People do it and people do it successfully. And, and by the way, I just, I think it's awesome. I think it's, I think I, that's great and enjoy life. And, um, cause you just never know. So I did want to do some, I think it's fun to kind of play around with some actual numbers and get people some actual numbers here. Um, so I loaded into our planning software, just very simple person age 50 retiring now, planning for a 40 year life expectancy. And I wanted to play around with these rates of withdrawal to see what's uh, sustainable and what's not. So in our planning software, we can put in um, inflationary assumptions, uh, rate of return assumptions, um, and our software can, you know, vary rates of return for the life of the plan and within, you know, historically significant bounds for a certain portfolios, whatever portfolio we decide to populate um, for our assumptions. And so we can do some really pretty sophisticated analysis, but I put a very simple, some simple data points in here just to just to keep it simple and prove a point. So like I said, I have a male age 50 retiring now. I'm going to assume that this person, so we didn't get to social security yet, but uh, let's fast forward a little bit. I'm going to, we can talk about social security, um, but I'm going to assume this person waits until 70 to collect social security. So he's going to collect at the latest retirement age. So he has 20 years of, uh, he has 20 years 
in which to pull from his portfolio more heavily than he will in the next 20 years, because I'm assuming that at age 70, Social Security kicks in, his portfolio draw can be reduced because he has another source of income. But we do we do need to talk about Social Security, Kirk, before this before we finish here, because, you know, we need to point out the fact that what you see on your statement won't be the actual number if you don't work until that year. So right, right. Uh, we do need we do need to talk about that. So sorry, I'm, I'm slightly um, for a I'm moment sli- I have I'm slightly distracted person. by your background there. What? Uh, you have you have a friend in the background. I know she's doing gymnastics. You know what? I have the heat. I have the little fireplace heater on down here in our basement office. And um, she's sitting in front of the heater. So <laughs> she just woke up. All right. So this person, I put in a $1.5 million portfolio. So I'm assuming this person has $900,000 in retirement accounts, $600,000 in non-retirement accounts that he can draw from without tax penalty before age 59 and a half. So I did make it, that is important to note, number one, that you, you'll you need a chunk of money to access before you can access retirement plans without penalty, which right. is over age 59 and a half, unless it's Roth and you can draw some capital out. But we, we let's just defer that, the specifics on that conversation for a moment. So this person has a retirement account and a non-retirement account. So I'm going to start with a 4% rate of draw now, but then I have assumed that 20 years from now, social security kicks in and the draw goes down. I'm assuming a 4% starting rate of draw. So that's $60,000 from a $1.5 million portfolio. So that gives this person $5,000 a month. And I'm assuming for now that it's pretty tax efficient because he's not drawing from retirement accounts yet. So um, it's, big, you know, he maybe he draws 5,000 a month and he, you know, gets $4,800 or forty. 500 in tax in after tax or something like that. It's pretty close because he's drawing from a non-retirement account. What's your rate of return? The rate of return assumptions I assumed were five to five and a half percent per year. So I assumed like a 5% per year on his non-retirement and a five and a half percent per year on his retirement. Okay. Um, We can play around with that as well. But basically I'm assuming that at least at the beginning, his rate of draw of 4% does not exceed his earnings ability. So it's less than his earnings ability in the portfolio at five to five and a half percent. I did assume his, the 60,000 that he's taking from his 1.5 million portfolio, I did assume that it in, it increases over time annually with cost of living adjustments. For now, I have it at 3%. So if I run this analysis, our software can say, okay, well, what are the chances of this $1.5 million portfolio lasting for 40 years based on a starting draw of 4%? That does increase with cost of living over time, but, but the portfolio also grows with earnings at 5 to 5.5%. But then his draw is lowered later at age 70 when Social Security kicks in. So this particular analysis, let me just, this takes a minute to run. So I'm not assuming that the 4% is going to be sufficient. Is go, I'm assuming that the 4% is going to be too large of a draw because we talked about when you're retiring early, you want to keep your draw to under 4%. I would even say probably closer to 3%. But let me just run this. I wanted to start at a 4% draw and just give people an idea of what we mean when we say that might not be sustainable if you're starting it too early in your retirement. Now, this one does have that variable that it's going to be lower in 20 years, but 20 years is still a long time. That's 20 years at which he's drawing out the 4%. So this one, so our, this just takes a few seconds to run. It just says, okay, what are the chances? I ran, I ran 500 scenarios. Like we can run a thousand. It's just, it takes a little bit longer. 
So there's a 56% chance that the money lasts 40 years. So it's not like it's not doable, but it's, I don't know, you, you want to like retire with a, with 50, 50 odds of it working or not working. So not really a number that we're looking for when I go through this planning exercise, I'm generally looking for like an 80% or more chance of success. We want a pretty good chance of this working out before you're going to retire. Right. So, so that's what I mean by, I, I, I just, I caution people that that, you know, that 4% rule doesn't really apply in my mind anyway, when someone's retiring well before a normal retirement age of like early to mid sixties. So if I change it to, oh, okay, actually, hold on one more point on that. When I put in, so I mentioned that I put in a, a 4% annual withdrawal rate, which is 5,000 bucks a month for this person. And I just assumed normal inflation on that. So I assumed a 3% average inflation. Inflation has been much lower than that in the last decade. But for now, like really long-term averages are almost 3%. So I use that for a moment. But we just talked about healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. If I break up that monthly uh, amount that he's taking, if I break that up and say, okay, let's say $500 a month of his 5,000 is related to healthcare. So if we make the assumption that that 500 a month need inflates at a greater rate than normal inflation. So if I double the rate of inflation and call it that, just that one component, that 500 a month for health insurance or healthcare expenses, if I assume that that inflates at 6% as opposed to regular inflation on his other expenses at three. And if I assume that over a 40 year period of time, which is a really long period of time to have, you know, inflation at a high rate, Um, But for a long time, health, you know, healthcare has inflated at a high rate. It's it pretty significantly changes those odds of success. So did I explain that? Okay, what that little change that I made was that instead of that whole 5000 a month inflating at 3% per year, meaning life costs you more, you know, year over year, generally, I'm making the assumption that part of his $5,000 a month need or 500 bucks a month inflates at 6%. So that's a relative, like 10, so 10% of his expenses inflate at a higher rate of 6%. And so then I rerun it. Okay, well now we have a little bit higher inflation on that amount uh, for, for medical care, which I do think is realistic. And now instead of a 56% chance of his money lasting that 40 year period of time, it's only a 44% chance. So that's a pretty significant drop yeah. just based on that one little change regarding you have to remember that healthcare has been increasing at rates that have outpaced regular cost of living for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah. Significant. Uh, I mean, significant difference there. And I, and I think that that's, that's certainly an important um, factor to consider. Um, Can I ask you, I don't, I don't know if this is something that you have preloaded or something that you could change, you know, quickly, but do you want to maybe run that same scenario and just, um, you know, accelerate social security benefits just to see how impactful that is, if if at all? I can do that. Now, this one was a little, hold off on that for a second, because we need to have a longer conversation about social security and the things to be considered related to social security. In other words, people looking at their statement, looking at their age 70 benefit, it's not going to be the same benefit right. if they retire at 50 and don't work those 20 years. So can we hold off on that for one second? Yep. I just wanted to just on the topic of withdrawal rates, and then we'll co- let's um, talk about Social Security, and then come back to that and remodel this. So the numbers I was just running there—that you know, forty to fifty percent chance of this making you know of this money lasting for this person who only needs five thousand a month, and he has a million and a half dollars. So these are not small amounts of money. Um, 
but you know, not, but a 4% withdrawal rate when you're, when you're needing, when you're drawing money early is not sustainable. So if I make it a 3% withdrawal rate, now that $45,000 per year he's taking out, Thirty-seven fifty per month. Again, in this area of the world, I, from my conversations with many people that have a million and a half dollars, thirty-seven fifty per month doesn't pay for their life unless there's other sources of income. But still, I just want to make the point that you know this person has a million and a half dollars. They're trying to retire at age fifty. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a more, that's a lot of money, but yeah. it's not. It's it's it doesn't buy you much. Um, a mortgage if, payment if would be most of that money. Yeah. So if I so, but if I lower it to, but still the 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 conversation remains relevant that we're talking about sustainable rates of draw. So if I if I lower it to a three percent rate of draw starting at age 50, wasn't fast enough to run that while we were talking. So I just clicked the button a moment yeah. ago to see um, to see how that changed. I do still have that variable in there of health insurance outpacing regular cost of living. I think that that's absolutely something people should plan for. But now for this guy, if I lower his rate of draw at age 50 to 3%, now he has an 83% chance of that million and a half dollars lasting with a 3% rate of draw at the beginning. Again, with that variable that social security kicks in at some point and that, and that draw, well, it increases with inflation, but then it would decrease as social security kicks in, but that's a pretty good. So, so a a more sustainable rate of withdrawal, if you're retiring early somewhere in your fifties is going to have to be in my mind anyway, unless there's big big other variables, you know, closer to 3%. Um, So I just wanted to kind of talk through that old 4% rule. I do still talk about the 4% rule uh, with my clients. Um, I think it's still a pretty good rule of thumb, but not so much I think, uh, yeah. for retiring early. I think it is. I mean, I think it is kind of a, a good uh, generic uh, rule of thumb, but, you know, as we, you know, if you're actually running a plan like you're doing, I know you're kind of doing a simplistic version of it here, but, you know, what's interesting is, you know, ma- you know, maybe in, in some cases, you know, well, maybe their withdrawal weight is significantly higher, but maybe it's only for a year or two or three because they're waiting for social security to kick in or something like that. Yeah. And that, and that might be okay in the long run. Um, but that's why, that's why it's so important to kind of model it out and, and make sure uh, that yeah. that's okay. Uh, you don't want to just say, oh, well, I'm going to take, you know, 8% uh, per year for a couple of, you know, for a couple of years and, and it'll be fine. And cause you don't, you don't know that. Um, but that's why this, this, this modeling tool is so, is so crucial. Uh, you know, obviously we're, we're biased, but um, you know, to, to, to make sure that, that you are going to be okay. Um, if you're quote unquote over withdrawing for maybe, maybe a few years uh, at the front end. Right. And, and don't forget if you are over withdrawing in your example, 8% or, you know, six or eight or even, you know, 10%, if you're over withdrawing in the early years, don't forget that even when that rate, when that withdrawal drops because other sources of income kick in, if you've been over, if you've been drawing out more than your earnings ability, then you're going to have less money. So 4% of a smaller amount is a smaller amount. But yeah, I've certainly, you know, worked with some people where the, where the rate of draw in the early years was higher than comfortable, but then they had a pretty, you know, significant either, you know, sale of real property or, uh, you know, two social securities that kick in or, you know, some, some big change 
that allows them to then drop that rate of draw to something more sustainable. But yeah, this this tool is really powerful and super fun to play with. Let's have a um, let's have a conversation about Social Security. You brought that up, and we can we can remodel that for this hypothetical client. But really quickly, again, we we have spent and could spend an entire show on Social Security. We do that about once a year anyway. So we'll just do like really high level. You can collect Social Security between the ages of 62 and 70 for people working and earning more than what is it like 17 or 18,000 bucks. You don't want to collect until over your full retirement anyway, because you have less, you would receive a reduction if you collected too early and you have earned income. But, you know, in the context of, you know, talking about someone retiring early, assume there's no income to worry about. So people can collect between 62 and 70. The longer you wait to collect, the higher your monthly income will be. Um, Social security gives roughly roughly an 8% per year increase in the amount you can collect. It's a little bit less than that pre-full retirement, but it's 8% per year after full retirement age. It's yes. So 70s latest from, and you can from, maximize your benefit. From 62 to full retirement age, it's 6% per year. Oh, is it 6? Okay. And then um, yeah, 8% after, you know, from full retirement okay. to 70. Yeah. But it's for purposes of this conversation and just in general, it's super important for people to, to understand that on their social security statement, uh, which which don't come in the mail, I, I think they only come in the mail now once every five years, or maybe they never come in the mail anymore, but I thought it was still every five years they come. But you can go to socialsecurity.gov and create an account and log in and pull your statement at any time and actually do um, projections on that website. So for people that want to play around with this. On those statements, it will give you your age 62 benefit, your full retirement age benefit, and your latest retirement age or your age 70 benefit. But there is some fine print. I should have pulled it up to to actually read the language, but there's some fine print on that page that basically says those projected monthly amounts assume you're working at your same level of income until those ages. Right. So for someone that uh, retires at and the way that the social security benefits are calculated is that they look at your highest 35 years worth of earnings. So most people later in their life uh, are in their highest earn, higher earning years as compared to when they're like in their twenties, for example. So most people make more monies in their, in their 50 and 60 and pay, pay into social security a higher amount than when they were, you know, early in their, in their lives and in their careers. So So most people, so those benefits are calculated factoring in working, earning years at higher levels, um, you know, assuming that you work, like, for example, the full retirement age benefit that you see assumes you're working at your level of income until that age and then you collect. If you don't work until those ages and you don't have those years of earnings that are likely higher than they were when you were like 23, then your benefit number one is going to be lower. Well, then your benefit is going to be lower, most likely, because your highest 35 years are in reality, if you're retiring younger, your higher 35 years are lower than what the Social Security Administration is assuming. So it's it's 
it's hard to find an exact, but if you're looking at your social security statement and it says my projected benefit at age 70 is like $3,500 a month and you stop working at 55 or even 65, it's not going to be $3,500 a month. It's going to be less than that. Um, and you can actually go in. So I haven't done this in a little while, but I believe you can actually go to socialsecurity.gov and you can put in years of earning. You can fill in future estimated years of earnings. Like you can fill in zeros after certain ages and it will recalculate those numbers, which is a very accurate way to plan for for retiring early. So that's pretty cool. Actually, I haven't actually been on that website for a while, but for someone that is considering retiring before early or, or at all, even if you're planning to retire at, you know, 62, but want to delay social security until 70 should, should lowball those numbers a little bit because uh, the way that they're calculated is assuming that you're working at likely those higher earnings for like, you know, a number of years. Um, so really important for people to note, and there is that fine print on that social security statement. And I think in all the years I've been in this business, I think I've had maybe two people that picked up on that fine print and asked, Hey, does this mean, um, you know, I would have to work until this age to receive this number. And yes, it is. That is exactly what it means. But have you been on the socialsecurity.gov website? I'm pretty sure you can play around with yes. estimates and like put in zeros and it will recalculate those numbers if you're thinking of retiring early and you want an actual estimate, right? I think, yeah. And I, and I think to do that, to get into that level of detail, I think you have to set up a like a username and a, and a password. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. You can do you can do some um, you can get you can get information uh, based on you know based on your uh, current information just by going in. They have a calculator on there, and you you know you do give them your name and your social and things like that, and they'll give you your you know projected benefits. But yeah, I think in order to uh, to get to that level of detail, I think you have to you know set up an actual account uh, through them, which which is certainly worth doing. Um, yeah, I actually I did it years ago. I was actually seeing if I could log in. Um, yeah, you go to socialsecurity.gov or it's ssa.gov and then you you click on my account and you either set up an account or like I set one up years ago. I was actually seeing if I could um, get in to play around with that calculator. Um, of course, it's dual authentication and it's sending a text to my phone and <laughs> triple, all that. So it's not as... Uh, triple, quadruple simple, authentication. What? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, seriously. We only have about. Oh, a, actually, we just have about a minute left. Um, I did, oh, okay. I did see. I did. I did look real quick, and it said. Um, it looks like the paper statements that come out in the mail. They only go to people that are sixty and older, and oh. and 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 not yet collecting benefits. So those are the only. That's- those are the only people that get something in the mail. That's different. It used to be that they would send it to you on your fifth and your like 10th birthdays. I think they must have changed that not long ago. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I just pulled up my statement actually. And it says uh, under your, your estimated benefits, you have earned enough credits to qualify for benefits at your current earnings rate. If you continue working until age 70, your payment would be about X. So that's really cool. All right. We got to take a quick break. We're talking about the dangers of retiring early. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Check us out at McNamara Financial or McNamara of the Merrimack.com. We're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. We are back. You are listening to McNamara on Money. 
the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed. I'm joined today by my wife and business partner, Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, the topic for today is the dangers. Uh, I can't really, I'm not really good at the emphasizing there. Alyssa's much better at it. Uh, the dangers of retiring early. Uh, and so the last thing we were talking about before the break was uh, somebody that's trying to retire around age 50 and you know they have a certain amount of money in their portfolio and you know what is in what's an appropriate or or what's a withdrawal rate that will work uh, and hopefully have their portfolio last as long as they do um, and so the scenario we were talking about was somebody age 50 and and we assumed that they were going to live to age 90 so basically it was a 40 year you know, span of time that they had to fund, you know, based on, you know, just pulling money from their portfolio and then eventually uh, having social security kick in. And I think, what did we come up with? So the, it was about a 50% chance the first time, 50% uh, with, based on a 4%, yeah, at a 4%, at a 4% rate. withdrawal rate. And then we reduced it to 3% withdrawal rate. And that increased the odds quite a bit to, was it 80% roughly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I think, and then we were going to, are we going to run another scenario here? Um, yeah, we, we, we can do that. We were, I we was going to run a scenario we were for talking that about social security. Uh, gentleman um, regarding yeah. collecting social security earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just trying to, again, it's kind of hard to estimate. I, I was back on the social security website to see if I could run like an estimate um, for, you know, for example, like, I assume this uh, guy collected social security at 70 and maybe, you know, his benefit would have been 35 or 3,700 a month. I lowered it to 3000 if he collects at 62, it's just kind of hard to know like what to lower it to. Um, so I was kind of trying to play around like, you know, I could lower it to 1500 a month. Um, I just wasn't sure what to plug what, in for what, a number. What number were you? Uh, probably 1500 is probably not all that far off. What number were you using um, at 70? 3,000. I was wondering if maybe I should even use a lower number for that, but I couldn't quickly find on the social security website where to play around with. Um, oh, calculate benefit. Oh no, that's calculate benefit for a current or former spouse. All I found was how to print your, print your social security statement, yeah, eligibility and earnings. Review your full earnings record. We're oh, plan for retirement. Here we are, plan for retirement. I was trying to figure out how to. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to do it quickly enough. I mean, All right, I, so I did, let's just put in let let's put in fifteen hundred bucks a month at sixty two, which is again is going to be, you know, maybe that's less than what he sees on his statement. You know, he might see you know two thousand bucks a month at. Uh, 62, you know, it depends on what earnings have been over time. Really. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit different for everybody. But, I think, I think um, that's, I think that's about, I mean, that's roughly, I think about right. Yeah. 1500. Okay. 1500. And I'm keeping him at that 3% withdrawal rate. So I'm going to change his social security to earliest retirement age of 62, 1500 a month, and then I'll rerun it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, think, and that, yeah. And then we should just act maybe after this runs, we should have a conversation about, um, you know, how, how to save and, and how to do this. Like, you, you know, you can't just like maxing retirement planner or even, you know, just putting a bunch of money in retirement is not going to position you well to pull this off because 
um, you're, uh, you need a chunk of money to draw from before age 59 and a half. Okay, so actually back to our gentleman here though, with the 40 year analysis drawing out at 3%. Actually in this analysis, if he collects social security earlier, it's not as good. That could be related to the exact numbers that I use it, that I used, excuse me. But um, don't forget if you, and we've talked about this on our social security shows in the past, but if you live a long life, so for this person living to 90, which is more longer than his statistical life expectancy, then collecting Social Security later is going to be better. Social Security, those, the, the, the break even, if you do like a break even analysis on, you know, collecting Social Security early versus normal retirement age versus late, you, they sort of all break even around a statistical life expectancy for, you know, a male age like 82 or something like that. So if this guy lives until 90, it's going to look better if he collects Social Security later because he has that higher benefit for longer. Um, so that doesn't surprise me that it actually looks worse for this guy to collect Social Security earlier. But don't forget, we have this guy with a big chunk of money in non-retirement assets. If someone doesn't have enough in non-retirement accounts to, you know, to, to actually, you know, he could draw from, he could draw from retirement accounts after 59 and a half, but it really depends on, um, you know, don't forget he was able to draw three, per in this analysis, he was only drawing 3% from his portfolio even before social security kicked in, right? If he was drawing, you know, 6% or 7%, remember we talked about an over withdrawal early and then it lowering, that would probably look different and it might look better for him to collect social security earlier so he doesn't have that high rate of draw for as many years. That would be an interesting analysis, Kirk. We could be ready for that next time if we do the dangers of retiring the early dangers, show. Yeah. <laughs> if you, uh, you know, if you wanted to do one, just do one more just for kicks yeah. uh, and do yeah. it at 66, you know, collecting social security at 66, I figure the number is 2150. Uh, so 2150 a month starting at 66, just, just yeah. to kind of have three data points, um, just to kind of co compare them. Yeah. I still think it's going to look better for him to collect later. No, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, social security in a vacuum, um, it, you know, if, if you live longer than average, it does pay to wait. Um, that's, I think that's been, you know, mathematically proven. Um, and obviously, but you know, that's just one of those things you don't know. Um, and, and you're right about, yeah, they all kind of, they all kind of converge around, um, average life expectancy. It doesn't really matter when you collect, right. they all kind of break even around, uh, average. When he collected late at age 70, where were we? Like an 83% chance of success, right? I believe so. Yes. So when I ran well, that, that was at, at a three at a three percent, yeah, yeah, at three percent withdrawal rate. If I have him collecting early, just what I ran a couple minutes ago, that was a seventy nine percent chance of success. And now when I have him collecting at his normal retirement or his full retirement age, eighty to eighty one percent chance of success. So slightly worse than if he waits for okay. this gentleman. But but again, I I feel like if we did an analysis where he had a heavy rate of draw early. And then Social Security kicked in and then it was lower. That would be interesting analysis. Um, just a little sidetrack here. I didn't get to mention this, but it would have been really cool if we did the show dressed up in Halloween costumes <laughs> and didn't like it on Facebook Live. I actually thought about that, but 
we don't have this year we don't have coordinating um halloween costumes that would have been real cute if we if we did into the show uh facebook live with our halloween costumes on there's always next year next year there's always next year yeah um okay i just wanted let me just check in the outline i just wanted to touch on um just again like the importance of of having non-retirement assets to pull this off. So, so in the world of, you know, IRAs, um, unless it's a, well, in the world of IRAs, you can't draw from an IRA under 59 and a half without a 10% federal tax penalty. Even in the world of employer sponsored plans, you can't draw before 55 without uh, a 10% uh, federal tax penalty. I think in in employer sponsored plans, you can be 55 and separated from service to avoid, but still if you're you're doing this at a younger age or if you're rolling your dollars away from your employer plan, then you gotta be 59 and a half to avoid that tax penalty. So you gotta grab money from some sort of a non-retirement account. So, you know, one of the, I, I think we talked about this not long ago, but, you know, people sort of hyper-focus on saving in 401ks, for example, and, you know, retirement accounts. That's just, you know, they're easy, they're salary deferral, the money's just gone from your paycheck. It, it does make a lot of sense. But I think, you know, people could broaden their minds a little bit. And I talked to some of my clients about, you know, let's diversify your port, you know, your portfolio from a tax perspective and, you know, maybe save some money in a non-retirement account and know it's not as tax efficient right now because you're not getting tax deferred growth, but it's a really great chunk of money for you to have later. It's, there's less taxes to pull money out later in life when you need it. And also very relevant to this conversation where you don't have to worry about any sort of penalty you know, you, there's no age limit on, you know, you have to wait to draw the money out because non-retirement accounts, there's there's no restrictions on that. There's no caps on how much you can add. There's no penalties for accessing. It's just, that's your flexible pot. That's just your money. That's nobody's telling you when you can and can't draw from that. Um, and, and it's lightly taxed to boot, especially under current tax law where capital gains tax rates are lower than income tax rates. And um, so great chunk of money for you to have down the road. And it's just nice when, um, you know, when people can start that early and, and you know, sort of diversify their portfolio from a tax perspective. And especially if you're thinking about retiring earlier, you need earlier than 15 and a half, you need to have a chunk of money to draw from um, to bridge the gap until you can access your retirement funds without penalty. Um, also, I guess I, we should mention that you can, if you happen to have a sizable Roth IRA by the time you get to retirement, you can also you can always pull capital out of that. You can't pull the earnings tax free until after fifty nine and a half, um, but you can pull capital out of a Roth IRA <clears throat> at any time, and no taxes or penalties on that because that was just after tax money anyway. An- um, you know, another th- thought I had was, well, you know, if, if you retire early, what what are you going to do with your time? And, you know, how are you going to fill that time? And so some people, you know, some people might get a part-time job, maybe, um, you know, to refill some of that time and or, you know, um, have some have some income uh, that would obviously change, change these numbers here, um, you know, f- for the better. Um, but if you don't do that, you know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe volunteer or, um, or maybe you, or maybe you want to travel or do something like that. But if it's, you know, if it's something that, um, you know, cost money, 
Um, you know, so now you're, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. and it's maybe more money than what you were spending, you know, you know, you got to factor that in. So it's, you know, it's, that's a big consideration is how, how are you going to replace that time? How are you going to fill that time that you spent, you know, if you spent 40 hours a week, you know, whatever it was, you know, working, what are you going to do? Um, and I think a lot of people don't really know, uh, or, or think about that. And, um, yeah. and I, you know, I was, you know, sometimes that's not, sometimes that's not even good, um, you know, for your, you know, for your psyche or for, you know, for your, um, or even your physical health. Um, if, if you don't, if you don't have something to kind of, um, you know, be committed to, or, you know, something that you're, um, that's, you know, kind of fulfilling. Um, so I think, I think that's something that people need that, that to me, that's a danger yeah. um, that people need to consider and think about. I feel like we're going to have to build in some pretty significant expenses for all the dogs that we're going to adopt when I retire, <laughs> because I was thinking about like, we have two older dogs now, two of our dogs are older and they're on medication. And I'm pretty sure we spend like 150 or $200 a month on medication for our dogs, plus food, plus vet bills. And man, those senior checkups and, you know, just the stuff that comes up for them at the vet is like, man, that stuff adds up. I feel like we probably spend like five, six, seven thousand $7,000 a year, like on the dogs. <laughs> it's crazy when you start putting those numbers down. Um, and then, you know, that's because two of our dogs are older and, you know, um, you know, younger dogs aren't as expensive, but um, yeah, it's, that, that's a good point. You know, it's sort of costing out, you know, what life, what life costs you and how you'll busy, how you keep yourself busy and, and life for a lot of retirees ends up costing more, um, because they're just more active and maybe nobody's super active right now, but you know, life will go back to sort of normal at some point in the future and people will be spending money again, you know, at, at prior levels. And, um, yeah, that's, that stuff really, really adds up. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, um, did you mention like part-time work or consulting? I, yeah. I thought that was really important too. Like, you know, when you're doing, when we're doing a 40 year analysis for someone, it's just, it's a long time to make guesses when we're doing a 10 or a 15 or a 20 year analysis retirement scenario for someone that's just, it's almost like easier because for a shorter period of time, there's less things that can vary so much and really change the outcome of the plan. But a 40 year, a 35 or 40 year analysis is a long time. Um, and so, and, and, you know, to, to build in a little bit of a buffer, I guess, um, you know, part-time work and, you know, consulting and low stress type you know, income that, you know, a lot of people find stuff to do in retirement that's, you know, maybe consulting and they can do it like a day a week or, um, you know, a few hours a week or, you know, part-time jobs that aren't like super stressful, but they make a little bit of money. Like that stuff is really impactful. And, you know, if you can lower your rate of draw, even a small amount that can make a big impact over a long retirement scenario. You know, if you can do that for five or 10 years, um, or for longer, you know, in retirement, that can really make a huge swing in whether or not people can pull this off. So yeah, when we do modeling for, oftentimes when we do a retirement scenario for someone who's, you know, I'm going to retire and then there's just no more income, right? And you run that model and it's just, it's really, uh, it's really incredible how much throwing in a little bit of part-time work, even if it's, 
you know, it depends on everyone's plan, but even if it's, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 a year, like even if you can build in some small numbers for five or 10 years, that can make a huge impact. And people might find that they really could pull this off, but maybe I just, I just need to work a little bit, you know, instead of, you know, in a different career or something low stress, um, you know, doing this, yeah. I mean, every- this modeling really helps them figure out that, yeah, maybe I can do that if I commit to just a little bit of earnings. Everybody, you know, everybody's different as far as, you know, what, what drives them and what motivates them. But I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, a fair number of people are, you know, w- work is life, right? Um, you know, that's what they, you know, whether they think that way or, or know it, um, you know, there's the, you know, there's the social aspect and there's the, um, you know, sort of the, just the, this is, this is me, this is what I do to earn a living. And it's, you know, it's very important to them. And I think, you know, having, you know, just stopping completely uh, for a lot of people, you know, some people can do that. Sure. I mean, they can, you know, completely flip the switch and, you know, go, go and play golf or whatever and, and not do any more work. But I think a lot of people need to have some, maybe, you know, some structure and, or that, that, kind of socialization and or something to get up and and do each day. And I think, I think a part-time job, you know, if it's, you know, if it's 20 hours a week or, or less or whatever it is, I think, I think something like that goes a long way, both not, not only financially, but, um, you know, psychologically, I think that that's, that's a big thing for, for a lot of folks to consider. Yeah. You know, when Sharon McNamara called earlier in the show and she was mentioning like a lot of her clients are just picking up and moving to places like Florida, for example, um, I, I've had several clients that have, you know, over the years, of course, you know, several clients that, you know, leave this area of the world and go south sometimes for weather reasons, but also for cost of living reasons. Like I just recently had a client move to one of the Carolinas, maybe South Carolina. I think it was South Carolina and just incredible the, the difference in the cost of real estate. Um, you know, they were in their, they're in their fifties, not quite ready to retire, but, um, you know, just in their fifties and, um, were, you know, had a mortgage up here and, you know, were able to sell their house, pay off the mortgage, um, purchase a house down there, be mortgage free, put a bunch of cash in the bank to buy them time to become reemployed. Cost of living is just cheaper all around. And just, you know, you know, I don't know exactly where they are, but, you know, of course it's different in different areas, but, um, just incredible the the difference that people can make in their financial lives anyway um, by you know finding an area of the country or the world that is that is not that doesn't have the same cost of living that we have here in New England um, in you know in in the in the Boston area so um, yeah people are you know certainly something to think about and maybe they're you know have a simple life like we were talking about earlier and um, and nothing wrong with that and enjoying you know your your older years and cause you just never know. I mean, a lot of people that, a lot of people that want to retire early are doing it because I mean, my conversations with people, a lot of them are sort of motivated by, you know, well, my dad retired at, you know, 68 and died at 70 or, you know, they have this person in their life that, you know, passed prematurely and just like, you know, that stuff sticks with people and um, can be motivational and, you know, it causes them to reevaluate their life and, you know, how do I want to spend it? So um, yeah, we didn't mean to, of course, we didn't mean to talk anyone out of this concept of retiring, you know, early in their 50, you know, in your 50s, for example. And um, I, I, again, I think it's awesome. And I, we had a show not long ago about, uh, about, you know, sort of motivating people to save early and save early and open up these opportunities 
<laughs> for retiring early if they want, you know, some people don't want to, some people love work and, um, but you know, just, just, there's just a lot of things to consider. There's a lot of planning that should be done and it's it certainly shouldn't be taken lightly and, um, a lot of analysis and variables. And, you know, that's the, that's the stuff that I, that's the stuff that I love thinking about and doing that modeling is, is really fun. I actually really enjoy going through this exercise with, you know, some of my younger clients that are motivated and, um, and, and want to pull this off. It's actually kind of fun to model. And it's, you know, when, you, when people have the means to, uh, to do what they need to do to pull off an early retirement, um, you know, good for them and, you know, keep their expenses modest earlier in life and save a bunch of money and, and be rewarded for that later on. That's, I think that's just pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing we wanted to chat about, uh, we just, I know we have five or six more minutes, but, um, what I think you know, one of the things you brought up was like, if people are retired, like think about the people that retire in their fifties, for example, and if they have kids, like how old are their kids and how financially independent are they? And uh, I just think that that yes. might, did you bring that up or did I put that on? The um, um, I mean, I think I mentioned like college, you know, college. I mean, if somebody's 50, oh, okay. 50 that's, I mean, if, if they have kids, I mean, they're probably, you know, they probably haven't gone through college yet or they're, you know, they're still in college and, you know, are you, are you helping to pay for that? And, and what is that, you know, how does that affect your retirement? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I even think like, I mean, our kids are younger, so I don't have the same personal experience, but in my conversations with a lot of clients with kids, like even in their twenties and early thirties, like, you know, there's just, there's stuff that comes up and, and, you know, adult kids early in life, you know, it might take them a little while to, to, you know, be stable on their feet and, you know, parents will always be parents and, um, you know, a lot of parents that just want to help their kids. And, you know, if you're retiring at 55 and your kids are only 25 or, you know, how, how financially independent are they really? And what might come up that you should sort of build into your, your plan and, uh, what sort of buffers should you add into your plan to, you know, for the, what if my kid needs X, Y, Z, and I want to help them. Um, you know, that's just something to consider. Whereas people are retiring at 65, you know, maybe their kids are, you know, 30 or 35 or, you know, and, 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 and perhaps, you know, more established in their careers and, and, and have assets, you know, maybe built by then and stuff like that. So just a little bit different and, and something to think of as well. I certainly hope our, our girls are financially independent by the time they get to 25 and 30, but I guess you never know. And we'll always be parents. So. Um, although Myla did tell me the other day, Myla is our oldest and she was talking about college. I forget even why she was talking about college, but we were talking about how many years you'll go to college. And I, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, most people go and get a bachelor's degree for, you know, four years. And I, and she said something about like, can I go for two years? And I was like, yeah, you can, that's called an associate's degree. And we just had that conversation and she was, um, she was kind of like, well, I want to get my bachelor's degree, whatever that is but I only want to go to school for two years and then I want to spend two years at home with you and I'll do school on the computer. And I was like, that sounds great. (laughs) That sounds great. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, fortunately and unfortunately that's uh, probably happening right now with a lot of, with a lot of people where they're sort of, you know, a year in school and maybe a year at home and, uh, from a financial perspective, um, maybe that's okay. So, or maybe, or maybe, anyway, she'll, maybe she'll cram four but, years into two years. Maybe she'll be able to, she'll be like Doogie Hauser, you know? She did say something about that. She's like, well, the people that go for two years, is it just really hard? And they, t- and they do a lot in those two years. Um, 
And I've never heard, I've never heard anyone do a bachelor's degree in two years. I guess I've heard of three years, certainly three and a half, but two years would be, um, that's pretty optimistic, but I'm sure it's been done uh, by people other than Doogie Hauser. <laughs> anyway, I know we only have a few more minutes. Is there anything else that we like really, really didn't touch on? Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's the, a, the any dangers of retiring early. How about we hear Tim's scary, scary voice again? The dangers of retiring Danger. early. <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, you know, I know we already talked about it, but I mean, just as kind of a, as a recap, I mean, I think uh, to me, one, you know, one of the biggest things is health, health insurance, um, you know, because most of the times that's, you know, something that you get through with, through an employer and, mm. and it's a much bigger expense when you do it on your own. And I think you need to price that out. Um, if you're thinking about trying to pull this off and, and also, you know, um, remembering that it goes up quite a bit each year, you know, so, you know, factoring in the, you know, the rate of growth, the rate of inflation on, on health insurance. I think that's, you know, so that's obviously a big factor. Um, you know, the social security thing that you mentioned about, well, if you retire early and that's less time that you have paying into the system, you have to recalculate, you know, what your benefit's going to be. Um, because, you know, if you plug in a bunch of zeros, um, you know, that, that gets factored into, you know, when they, when they figure out your benefit. And so I think that, mm. you know, so that's another good exercise to go through, uh, two minutes left. Um, okay. so I think, yeah, pricing out, you know, go on the health connector, price out what that's, you know, what that might look like, uh, on your own, you know, go do that exercise with social security, um, as far as, you know, actually doing your own, you know, calculation based on, you know, putting some zeros in there. Um, and then, and then the rate of withdrawal, um, you know, how much can you take from your portfolio? You know, what's sustainable? And I think those, you know, I think, I mean, we talked about those things, but I think those are the three, I think, you know, kind of the three biggies um, to kind of mm -hmm. consider. Um, and then, and then the last thing that we threw in there was, you know, maybe, maybe some part-time work, um, not only for, um, not only for the income, but also for the, you know, for the, you know, for the health and psychological benefits. Alrighty. That was a good wrap up. Are we, is the music playing? It is. Alrighty. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this is McNamara on money. You can catch our podcast on the podcast app. Just search McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. Joined by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Check us out at McNamaraFinancial.com, McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe and warm. Bye-bye.